0: theyeshiva.net Let's uh, start today the first Maimah on Parshas Ve'eda by the Balatanya, Torah Er Parshas Ve'eda page 109 109 Daphnun hay column 1 the first Maimah of the of the Balatanya on Parshas Ve'eda This is a Mimer from Tovkov Samach Bez which would be 1802 he begins with the opening of the parsha. Hashem speaks to Moshe. Moshe complained and lamented about the whole story the, of the Egyptian exile. Lama Why have you afflicted this people and you haven't saved them? And since I came to Pari, it became worse. So Hashem says, now you're going to see what I do. And he begins the next parasha. Hashem speaks to Moshe and he says, Ani Hashem, I'm God. Literally, I appear to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov through the name known as Shindalad Yud, the name of Hashem called Shada, Shindalad Yud, but my name, Yudke Vavke, that's how it's written in the Torah, as Dalton would say, Havaya, Loinoi Dai Tilaham. With that, I was not known to them. I did not let myself be known to them through this name. Obviously, such a Pussek is right away a very, very, uh, as you would say, a mystical Pussek. What does it mean? It's like, you know, <laughs> I let you know one name of mine, not the other name of mine. With people, uh, <laughs> you, you know me or you don't know me. You know, you, you didn't tell me all your three names. Okay, so I don't know all your three names. <laughs> Obviously, saying something they knew about me. Shindalad <laughs> Yud, yeah, that I appeared to them. They sought. it. have hava'ya daitilam. So all the Mepharshim deal with this because it's a, it's, a, it's a statement. You don't have these, uh, you don't have such a common posic. It's such a posic it's not so common, you know, such a, transcendent statement that has a lot inside of it. Rashi himself gives his interpretations and many other Mepharsh. Balatanya says, Hine The word ve'eda, Pashtan Diktok, in Hebrew grammar, has two meanings. Aleph Lashen Avash and Izgalil Avas. Habayz Lashen Asid Shul Lashen Hoiva. Ve'eda, on one hand means I appeared in the past. I appeared to the avos, to the patriarchs. A second a second interpretation is the future which is the present. Va'eda, I will appear, or I am appearing, man Because there is something about this that is constant in every time, in every era, in every generation, in every moment, in every person. So there's the va'eda of the past, but vaeda in diktuk is also, he says, haiva, in the diktuk with the Vav. So Vav mahapech. It could be Lashon Ava. It could be Lashon Asad. Lashon Asad means constant and therefore also future because if something is always happening, it's going to happen tomorrow also. So he says one represents what happened and one represents something that's always happening. The Gemara says in Brachas that the name Avais is only for three people. Ein we had many fathers. <laughs> but the three people are called Avais. Why? Because they're the Avais of everybody. I may come from one tribe, you may come from another tribe. Your father may have been Levi, my father may have been Yehuda, or Ben Yamin or Yosef, or Uben, or Shimon. But Avraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov, there's no Jew that doesn't come from Avraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov. Right? There's some point where we're all children of Avraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov. So they're the fathers. After that, it branches off. That's pushed biologically, because <laughs> everybody came from Yaakov, and if you come from Yaakov, if you come from Yitzchak, you come from Avram. So you can't not be a child of Avram, it's a like Yaakov. Stam an interesting mice, I remind myself. There's a very wealthy Jew, a very big philanthropist, really a sterling man, a sterling soul, and a tremendous baltzedok. His name is George Rohr. George Rohr lives in Manhattan, in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. The Rohr family, very very successful business people and extremely charitable human being. So I once heard from him uh, that uh, he began today. It's already it became a trend, but he he began it many years ago. He davens in KJ, the the traveling is Da, oh he just did a Shabbos in KJ, so. Uh, He davens in KJ. KJ is Kehillas Yeshurun. Kehillas Yeshurun. Yeshurun. It's considered one of the largest and and biggest and prominent modern Orthodox shuls in in the United States of America. Rabbi Lukstein is the Rav. So, George Rohr, many, many years ago, decided that they need a beginner's minion. Jews in Manhattan come Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. But when they come into the regular minion, they get lost. You know, they don't know what to do, when to stand, when to sit. If you didn't grow up in a shul, you know, it's uh, very intimidating. So then he began, he, he started a beginner's minion. Beginner's minion, which was literally beginners. If you're a beginner, you come in and he ran it. He ran it. Explained everything. You know, it's obviously shorter, a lot of explanations, giving the significance, what we do, what we don't do, a reading in English, to make them comfortable with the experience of Dhavana. And it was a success story. It was, uh, it was very original. It was creative. Was a completely different type of davening. <laughs> would be good probably for most people who go, to, most people who go to shul. <laughs> Explain what you're saying. Say it in English. Brichshme in English. Nishmas in English. It actually, makes sense some of these prayers. <laughs> anyway, so he said. A few days later, he came to see the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So he felt that this is something that the Rebbe would really appreciate. So he says that he made Rosh Hashanah a beginner's minion in KJ and it was an amazing success. He told the Rebbe how many people came and it was inspiring and he's doing another one for Yom Kippur. So the Rebbe said, what's a beginner's minion?" So he said, it's a minion for Jews that have no background. No Jewish background. And he says that the Rebbe till then was smiling and very friendly when he said that. He saw that the Rebbe's okay. face grew serious. And the Rebbe says, ah, ah. Now when the Rebbe would say, ah, everybody knew. It's not that he didn't hear. (laughs) There was just something that it was hard for him to hear. (laughs) So he goes, ah. So he didn't think there was anything wrong. So he said, for Jews that don't have a background. He said, ah. (laughs) So he said it again. So the Rebbe said, how do you say on a Jew that he doesn't have a background? When every Jew has the background of Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Sare, Rivke, Rachel, don't say on a Jew that he has no background, he has a very, very glorious background. So George said, <laughs> now he understood what the beginner's minion was. <laughs> he understood now what the beginner's minion was. So that's the ain curtain of It's not militia, it's a Tzachos. it's a it's It's a real question. It's a real question. Is somebody coming in with no background, or is somebody coming in with an extraordinary background? But the consciousness of it may have been interrupted. It's a whole different approach in how you see them, right? So, that's the <laughs> The state of the Avais is an inheritance to each of their children in every generation. Every person according to his unique identity. And that's why every we begin. Our God, the God of Avram, the God of Yitzchak, How well, does that help me? You're the God of Avram. The God of the answer is it's not Avram, it's a Yaakov, It's you. If it's a lake Avram, it's the way you capture El through the prism of Avram, through Yitzhak, through Yaakov, according to your own capacity. Avos Shar Pchinus Amaylas At Tzadikim. He goes, "Nashvatim Reuven Shimon Levi. Sheim Vadei Pchinus Oyres Olyonim. Yes, Licha Adam Sheein Bei Klal Pchinus Amadreges Elo. Mashakan Pchinus Avos Tarechlias Bechal Adam Sheim Shoydich Umakher Kalnush Amos Isuna." Beautiful words. Not every tzadik do I have in me. He says, Reuven Shimon Levi. He says, certainly they represented great lights, but. You can have a person who doesn't have those madregas, those states, at least not in, in in a revealed and manifested way. Or bchalal doesn't have this; it's not there. It's not their inyan. It's not their avada. You, you, you can't be everywhere. Otherwise, father is just like it's biological. You say, "I don't have the genes of, of of my father; only of my mother." <laughs> Maybe you would like it that way. But sorry, you have your father's genes, you have your grandfather's genes, you have your great grandfather's genes, right? So therefore, the, it's, it's true, but he says it's true spiritually. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, their, their consciousness, their reality exists in every person. Ain't Kurdin Avis There's no exception to that. That's why we say Avram, Why don't we say Alakha Ruven, shim Shimon, Alakai Levi? The answer is because this is generic for every single Jew. So when it says, this is the conclusion. It's not just the past. It's also the present and the future. Because there's Avram in me, there's Yitzchak in me, there's Yaakov in me. And that was the uniqueness of the others. Each of them is an archetype and a paradigm for something that continuously lives in the soul of the Jew. This is his introduction. But they're also physical fathers. <laughs> they weren't only spiritual fathers. They're also physical fathers. On some level. But even Moshe Rabbeinu is not called one of the others. That's what he's saying. And there's a reason for that. Not every Jew comes from Moshe Rabbeinu. Every Jew is a student of Moshe Rabbeinu. That's true. Rabbeinu. He's our Rebbe. Yeah, not to Moshe. Yeah, it says that the is a continuous process. <speaking in Hebrew> yeah. Right, right. <speaking in Hebrew> to understand what this we're talking about, this revelation in every generation, in the level of the others, of the way they are reflected in every single Jew, because as we said, there's no Jew in the world who doesn't have, who doesn't have the p'china, the state of of, of, of the avas inside of him or her. It's a Yerush, it's an inheritance. So it's intrinsic, so to understand this, In the Tanakh and in Chazal, exile is compared to pregnancy... <laughs> Redemption, the redemption of Mashiach, speedily in our days is comparab- compar- comparable, comparable, to birth. Mashiachasuv, as the pasuk says, Ki chala gam yolda That Siain has given expression and birth to his children, and this is the expression of Geula. So we see when the Navi wants to describe Geula. This is the Navi Yeshayahu, Perik Vav, the Nevuas Hanachama, the, the prophecies of comfort. He describes Guula redemptiveness as a process of birth. Yoldot Ziyon esbana. Uksha Yisrael v'shalom. Conversely, when the Jewish people are in a state of distress, heaven forbid, Ksiv, then the Navi says ki bo bonim ad mashber ein leleida. Yeshayo, Perik Lamed Zion says the children have come to a point of mashber. Mashber today means a breakdown, but in, in ancient Hebrew, mashber is a woman sitting on a birthing stool. Right, your ala mashber is a birthing space. So they have come that to that place, but there's no energy to give birth. It's like Khalila when the fetus is is stuck, and there's no power for leda for coming out. It's 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 in the utero and you can't get it out. That's the me- that's the metaphor for, for exile. The birth pangs, the pain, of Yehose Amashiach are called chevle leida. The birth pangs before birth, in other words, it's the difficulty of bringing out the baby. Kevle, that's what kevle, kevle means pangs. The contractions, the labor pains, which are, which are excruciatingly difficult. The same is true in Egypt. We say it in the Haggadah, the Yecheskel, chapter 37. There's a whole chapter, not chapter Yecheskel. Uh, which chapter is it? Yecheskel Perik Tezai, in 16. He compares the whole gollus of Mitzrayim to pregnancy. And he says, when I came and I saw you on the night of Egypt, va'at you were naked like a child just came out. Submerged in your blood. B'damayich hai, b'damayich hai. Right, and I had to cut your uh, umbilical cord. It's all described in Yecheskel as... A process of birthing. Redemption is a process of birthing. Now, this obviously is very meaningful because that means the difference between exile and redemptiveness is the difference between pregnancy and the process of redemption is literally a birthing process. Birthing process is not a simple process, it's a very painful process. And yet, it's the only way the child can emerge from utero into the world and become ultimately a human being, a viable, independent person, like Taivas, So what is the metaphor? Is it just that it's painful? What is the concept of this metaphor? Sometimes, as we know, to get from Golas to gula, you have to push, like the mother, and there's contractions, and it's not simple, and you have to open up a pathway, and opening the pathway is a, is a complex, and really, Biologically, a miraculous process of how that birthing happens. So, the Balatanya here, in quite an elaborate metaphor, explains what's the difference of Golas and Gula. To understand Mashallah, meaning, to understand the parable and the metaphor that the Tanakh gives, we have to understand more about pregnancy says a What can you compare a fetus in the womb of its mother, to a pincus, a book which is completely folded up? Everything is folded up like a scroll. A pincus is like a kovetz, a scroll, but it's completely <laughs> bound up. ben birkov. The head of the fetus is between the knees. The ikvoisov, and the are his feet are on his on 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 the edge of his fingers. He eats what his mother eats, drinks what his mother drinks, receives her oxygen. His mouth is plugged. His navel, belly button, is open and attached with a cord to the mother, and receives the oxygen and the nutrients through it. When he emerges in the world, to the world that which was plugged gets opened, because if the mouth is not open, he won't be able to function. And that which was open till a moment ago gets concealed, and it's really an incredible process how that happens that if the same functionality, if the mechanism that was working during pregnancy would continue after birth, the child wouldn't survive. So there has to be a transformation during birth that suddenly all the limbs and organs, they have like this code. Okay, guys, we're going into opposite gear. What was previously closed, plugged, has to be opened. What was previously opened has to be plugged. Suddenly the lungs have to start working. And there are situations where you see where there's chalila, uh, 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 a challenge in one of these processes and it could be uh, life-threatening. And it, 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 all, it all changes in a moment and the fetus has to know how to do this. So this is what the Gemara is describing. The Hainu, what do we learn from this? The fetus has the entire structure of a body of an organism, means the division of all the organs, right, when it's developed, there's a head, there's eyes, there's ears, but the head is folded, and lay between the knees, in other words, it's not functioning independently, he's not thinking, he's not contemplating, there's physical eyes, but they're not being used, He's not seeing. Also the digestive system. The way the food goes in is not through the mouth and then it's digested and grinded up, digested and sent into the intestines, etc. He eats. He has to eat. But it's through the mother. It doesn't go through the mouth. It goes through the navel. Straight into the intestines in order that the body should be able to grow. We see practically, during the nine months, there is tremendous growth in the body. For the mouth to go, for the food to go through the mouth, And that includes the food then becoming part of the blood. And the blood being sent to the heart. And the heart sending off the blood partially to the brain, oxygenated blood. And to use what's called the limbs of breathing, the lungs, even though all the limbs are complete, including the lungs, including the brain, including the heart. But nonetheless... He doesn't have his own breath or her own breath of life. Until the moment the baby emerges. And then the first sound comes out. Chazal say, this is the simen, This is the sign of birth. They hear that the child utters its sound. The head came out. And therefore, in the womb, it's not like the blood, the brain, sends life to the lungs that are functioning then. The main life has to go to the limbs of digestion because that has to be digested in the intestines because the umbilical cord goes through the navel. The head and all the higher functionality in the upper part of the body, like the limbs used for neshima. Neshima is the respiratory system. It's not functioning like, like it would be lifeless even though it's not. And that's why the head is between the knees. So the body is there fully. The baby is obviously surviving, but it's a completely different process than it is after birth. Everything we described about pregnancy reflects the state of galos, of exile, collectively and individually. A person has all the limbs and organs but the whole functionality of it is different in pregnancy than in birth. What does this mean? The, Ksiv, the Pasuk says, Hashem yish'ag. Hashem cries out, he screams out from marim, from heaven. Pideach, kamay shakasa says <laughs> the says, the Sali kut shebrichu upwards Oksiv, the Pesach, says in Yirmiya, Rokhul Mavakal Baneha. The famous Navi Yirmiya. Kolber Amunishma. Nehi b'chi samrurim. Rokhul Mavakal Baneha. Me'ana Nochem, Ki einenu. She weeps for her children. She refuses to be comforted. Ki einenu, because he is not here. And that's when Hashem tells Rokhul, stop crying. Mini k'ylech m'bechi ve'inaich Midim says the Zaya, what's pshat kianenu? It should say ki'enam. Rachel me vakaal kienam because they are not here. She's crying for her children. What's kieneu because he's not here? Who pidish be zaya de kaya la kadish ki She doesn't feel that Hashem is here. Bigoy binha the salik because so when it says Rachel Ma Vakal Boneminachim kiy'enenu in the singular the Zohar says, "Kutchebrichu eneno." She doesn't feel he's present. Kosolik leily kva'yochli ascended upwards. The solik he ascended. Pinush, What does this mean? She silik shchinaso v'giliyalekuse mehatchtainim. Gullus is a time when his godliness and his shchina. He kevayachal. It looks like he removed it from the lower reality. <laughs> this is gallus. from the eyes of flesh, from the perspective of the of the vantage point of physical eyes of flesh. It looks like the world is separate. It's lonely. It's detached. It's fragmented. So davar b'fne'atzma kie nenu. that's meyana that's what Rachel sobs for. Ki nenu. she doesn't feel the organic oneness, the presence of the Shechina in the world. V'hashmin of and as the Navi describes the situation in Yeshaya Pei the heart of the nation became fattened. they have eyes but they don't see, what does this mean? Back to the fetus, they don't see Eid Hashem. They don't see the reality, the light of Hashem. The truth is, as we say in Aleinu, there's no other reality. So I have eyes, but I don't perceive it. And even the flow of mitzvahs and masim which give nutrients to the soul... It doesn't go through the mouth and then down the throat and then gets digested in the process of, 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 of eating. It doesn't go through the higher organs and then into the intestines. It goes through the navel. So he says, And therefore, you don't have the process of the heart taking the food, turning it into blood, and then the blood from that food is oxygenated by the lungs, and then that oxygen and that nutrients is sent through the heart to all of the organs, to give vitality to the heart, the source of the blood, and to the brain. Spiritually, this would mean that the mitzvahs and masim toivim, which are food for the soul. Don't go through that process. There should be an awareness of Hashem and a deep love and serving Him with all one's heart and a craving soul and a palpable desire in the heart that is burning like fire with thirst and passion. You see, when Al describes what doesn't exist, he gets lost in it always. He tells you what doesn't exist, right? <laughs> he says what you don't have. He always <laughs> it's almost like he can't control himself. If it doesn't exist, what are you describing it so much? <laughs> it's interesting. Always all the my This is what do, this is what you don't have. <laughs> It's what the Navi Yeshaya says, in Yishayah Peter Kavtas, they fear me, but it's mitzvahs anoshimov. This is anoshimov, the mother means you do mitzvahs by rote, like a robot. Well, the mother means I do it because I was trained. You brush your teeth in the morning, I put on tefillin in the morning. The asiyah You do the physical action, but it's cold. The food gets in. Back to the fetus. The food gets in. But it goes straight in. In other words, there's a process that happens. But the consciousness of it, the vadamkai, the heart and the head are, all, are bypassed. There's a process, the mitzvahs go in. So it has an effect. But in terms of the person's involvement, it's just by rote. There's a coldness, there's an apathy. And this is the main experience of exile spiritually. A Jew who does everything is connected. But what's missing is the consciousness of oneness. When I look at the world, I see separateness. When I look at myself, I see separateness. Even though I do all the mitzvahs and I have Torah, and there's a process there and there's food that goes into my nefesh, but there's a sense of coldness. There's a sense of indifference. There's no experience of a deep, deep relationship and connection. To give an example in a relationship, and I think everybody could relate to, at least many could relate to this, a person could be married they could follow all the halachas of marriage, right? They follow the ksuva, they fulfill their obligations, the husband fulfills his obligations, the woman fulfills her obligations, but nobody sees each other. Nobody hears each other. Nobody feels each other. You sometimes come into a house, technically everything is there, all the limbs are there. (laughs) There's a dining room table, there's a kitchen table, the garbage gets taken out, there's supper, there's laundry... Right? But nobody was born. Nobody could see each other, nobody can hear each other, We can feel each other. Nobody gets each other, not intellectually, not emotionally. I do everything, I do everything, I'm a good guy. I bring home a paycheck, I do what I have to do, I take out the garbage, I pay the bills, I'm not a mashugunah, I'm not abusing, I'm not breaking windows, I'm not screaming, I'm not hollering, but it's you do today what you did yesterday, what you did the day before, and there's a certain sense of coldness. This is described as pregnancy. All the pieces are there. The whole fetus is there. Baruch Hashem. And there's life. There's fun. But, as he says, the whole higher system of how it's working, that's shut down. The child is living off the process of the mother. Spiritually what this means is, Spiritually what this means is, there's no, there's no real appreciation of Hashem's presence. Of the oneness of the world with Hashem, the eyes are here, but I can't see. And therefore, even though I eat, but it's just you know you do it. There's no there's no there's no deep life and warmth in it. This is what he's describing pregnancy. Not that there's no connection, there is, but it's it's it has a lifelessness to it. Yeah. Vezel ikir golas <laughs> It's a painful place to be in. You get used to it because it's survival. But you don't, you can't stay pregnant your, your whole life. <laughs> you have to start seeing. You have to start breathing on your own. You have to start feeling on your own. Now, as we know, and we'll see later, a fetus in the womb gets everything. But it's not the process of what happens later. In other words, the way you affect a fetus in the womb, you can affect it more than you affect it later in life. Because it's so impressionable, and it's so vulnerable, and the way it absorbs things is not through the regular process of awareness. Even later as a child. I had a shmooz yesterday with uh, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. So he said something he's he's like one of the world, we, world world experts on trauma trauma with a capital T already for 50 years. So I asked him what's the difference if a child experienced terrible trauma let's say when they're 2 or 3 or 4 those years or when you're let's say 9 10 11 similar similar things that are very very negative very toxic and evil and and horrible And and he said something, I I always felt that way, but the way he put it was was very validating for me. He said, there's a very big question. If your eye was formed, if your eye was formed already, so then what happens to you is a process that's happening to someone who exists. I exist, you smack me in the face, it hurts. But you smack me in the face, you smack me in the face, it hurts. It hurts. You may do with worse things, it hurts more. But there's a me that you hurt. He says, when it happens at a very young age, the I wasn't formed yet. The I still doesn't know who it is. There's no foundation. So he said, so so what happens? So he said, you are the trauma. The I is the trauma. I don't don't have any other definition. That, That becomes the I. That becomes the very I. He says, that's a whole different process because now there's no distinction between you and what happened that is that is your atsmis you understand the tragedy of that there's healing but he was describing the tragedy of it because it's pre it's pre identity it's pre there's, there's no solid identity in a way in the womb it's even deeper <laughs> it's even deeper so you have to so there's, there's something that happens in the womb a lot of things happen, but not on a conscious level. Because it's not on a conscious level, it's deeper. Because it goes through processes that you're not aware of. But it, that, that we're going to see soon about <laughs> why Gullus prepares for Geula. It's a very deep mime. Why Gullus has something in it that's very, very deep. But we're talking about in terms of consciousness, th- there's a child, in the wo- a fetus in the womb, and then there's a child coming out. I'm saying when he says there's nothing happening in the womb, there's a lot happening in the womb, but the regular process is not happening. The regular mind and heart that he's describing, that starts functioning later, at least in a completely different way. It's not impossible. You have to be aware of it. You have to be aware of it. No, it, it's very comforting, by the way. It's not. It, I know it sounds so tragic, but the awareness of it is very comforting. Because... Sometimes people struggle, not with pain, but with not knowing if they are, who they are, why they are, and they blame themselves. Why am I such a meshugana? And this explains that, no, this is a very serious process that you went through, and you have to stop blaming yourself. You have to have compassion and really appreciate the fact that you survived, that there's even something left here. You know, you could have, fried your brain with drugs many years ago to deal with this pain. There's even somebody here who could now disgust us. <laughs> that's, that's very deep. We speak the negative, let's speak also the positive. This means that the attachment we give a child during those years is, is unbelievably powerful. Right? In many ways, the fetus is, is the mother. The Gemara says, "Uba it's an extension of the mother there 's no separateness yet there 's no independence yet, so there 's tremendous influence, but it 's a completely different type of influence and that 's why what happens during pregnancy is important what happens it's not it 's important these are, these are deep things huh in every way, yeah, in every way by the way, even today it exists. <laughs> There are people who have the ability, there's different ways to uh, to sometimes have a glimmer of experience the way they were in the womb. It's a very, very profound experience. Later, Avada, Avada. Avada, there's people who have a memory, an experience. It's not a memory like a memory, I remember what happened yesterday. But everything is stored <laughs> in the soul, you know, everything is stored in the body. And they're... they're when you say a memory, it means it's always there. In other words, there's the state of the eye, the way I was in the womb, and it still functions inside of me and it has an impact. The question is if I'm conscious of it or completely not. I don't know what I mean. <laughs> I just had to put in a few extra words to uh, make sense of it a little bit. So you put in glimmer, you put in experience. It sounds like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Some type of, 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 of Pre-verbal memory of how they def- how they experience life in the womb. It's a sensitivity, yeah, yeah. There's even even situations where a person can almost experience how there was an interruption in the safety. It's almost like you were in the womb. The Gemara says it's the best time in life. You know, it's a like, ganadin it. It's like why, why do you want to leave? You know, <laughs> somebody else is paying the bills. You know. It's like you're in Kailo <laughs> and Adam of Kest. But this time, you don't even have to go eat. You don't have to go home and eat. It's a Mechaya, right? What do you need anything else? It's a very safe, safe time. And you need that safety. You need that safety as an incubator to become a person. To, to And then sometimes the safety is interrupted. The safety is... ah huh? i external tell you. <laughs> this was last week. A person had such an experience. They've had a very hard life, and they had this experience, uh, (laughs) you're going to think I'm crazy, but this person, uh, okay, listen, you can't know for sure, but I'm telling you the person's experience is that in the middle of the pregnancy, his mother was uh, raped very badly. And uh, and the fetus, the fetus fetus knows. (laughs) The fetus knew everything. And... uh, it literally affects the person till today he never knew this it's 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 unbelievable it's unbelievable what the soul knows so uh, I don't know that there's you know defining define it as scientific data to be printed in a because these are so so abstract and so spiritual and so sensitive and I'm not an expert so i can't I can't verify or not verify you know in terms of a news story. But it touches on unbelievable deep, deep, deep places. So, so the Balatanya, the Alter is describing to us here in, in Yiddishkai these two states. Okay. So now he goes further. I have to say one more thing. He told me yesterday, Doctor Bessel van der Kolk. He said that for the beginning, the beginning of our lives. We don't differentiate. An infant doesn't differentiate between me and you. It's not like I'm sitting here, you're sitting here. We're separate people. There's a certain development in the brain that allows for that spatial and emotional differentiation. There's me. There's my mother. There's me. There's my father. There's me. There's the world. In the beginning, right? It's it's all it's all achdos. It's it's all one. So he said. It's also heartbreaking. So he said if a father does something negative to a child or a mother or somebody else, the child at a certain age doesn't have the ability to even differentiate that this was done by my father or somebody else to me. This is all me. In other words, it's all it's all in me because of me, <laughs> it's all part of me. So of course I'm the one to blame. <laughs> There's not even there's no separate reality that makes choices to hurt me. It's it's all me, so the pain is also me. So I'm I'm the one to blame for everything. There's nobody even else to blame. So you can't even define a perpetrator. You are the perpetrator. Besides the fact you're wired to love your parents, so if you're wired to love your parents, you you will always say your parents are right because they love you. So. Even on a level of, 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 of intellect, it's going to be turned around. Obviously, what you did, you deserved. Even if you could understand that there's parents, which is at a later stage. So he said, you have to realize how deep the, 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 the pain can affect a person to the point that they completely have a distorted reality of who they are and who the other person is. And then they grow up with this perception that is completely based on an identity that has been so destroyed, not because of themselves. And the greatest Yeshua for this person is just to be aware of this, just to be aware of it. taste. Anyway, it's very powerful stuff to hear this. Very powerful. You're saying he's describing what we define About ourselves, the conceptualized self that we create based on our abilities at the time. Right. This is the self that I decided I am or I have become. (laughs) I asked him, Do you believe that there's a core self that's indestructible? (laughs) He said, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. He said, I know in your tradition it's a big thing. I said, yeah. So I said, "So I want to ask you a question. You're in this for 50 years. You don't sound cynical. Why haven't you become cynical? You've seen so much horror. Why haven't you become cynical? (laughs) I was trying to (laughs) lead to the answer from a different direction. So he says, because I look at people who have been through hell, within hell, within hell. And their core is not destroyed. So I said, I'm not sure why you say you don't believe in the core self that you're right. And he said himself, he says, they inspire me, what should I tell you? They're supposed to be dead, and they're not. I don't know why. It's like, you were supposed to be killed on every level, but you're not. So essentially, he considers himself an atheist, but I'm saying he essentially... I told them you should re-examine if you're really not such a believer because you're you're saying very transcendent ideas, but it, it, it's a very very powerful. When you say An Hashem is a chelik mal, what does it mean? It means if somebody did something, yeah, they you can't rape God. You, <laughs> Titus tried to, you know. The Gemara says that Titus stabbed the Paroichas. And blood came out. So he said, oh, Baruch Hashem, <laughs> I killed God. <laughs> like, like the subway station, right? God is dead, signed Nietzsche. And then under it, Nietzsche is dead, signed God. So it's an unbelievable idea. It means that the Chelech Mal Mal saw everything. It was there. It felt the pain because God is there. But it was not. it was not destroyed. By the way, I want to say one thing. Almost in every Maimur Daltodebus says he's gonna say it soon in a few lines. Again, he, every Maimer, I don't know if there's there's a few Maimadim he doesn't say it, but hundreds of Maimonim. He brings a post. You all know it, Hashem I have not changed and right after that he says, You were here pre creation and your one creation. And the world doesn't conceal it, and it's still the same one as but there was a tzimtzum. Why, why does he care so much about this? Okay, you know, fine. You hear pre-creation is still one; is you haven't changed, and if you did change, so most people think it's a philosophical formulation that the Jewish philosophers had a problem with God changing because perfection can't change and infinity can't change, and it actually makes God more distant. Like you're this perfection who never changes. You know, what do I have to do with me? I'm changing. You know, every three seconds. But really, the whole Nakudd al-Tareb is the opposite. If Ani Hashem loisha nisi, and the world is still in the same state of oneness, like pre-creation, it means that that's who you are. That's the Nekudah. It means that you could go through every change in the world, you can go through every upheaval in the world, you could be on every roller coaster in the world. But at your core, you have not been mutilated, you have not been violated your oneness with yourself and infinity, and Hashem has not been compromised even in the slightest. I, everything happened. What, just like by God, what do you mean he didn't change? What, he created the world. It's not called change. Seven and a half billion people has not changed. A whole planet has not changed. A whole universe. We don't even know how big it is. Right? Billions of light years. and We know what a light year is. What, we haven't changed? Really? You're sharing a lot. It's not that there's no world. There is a world. And still you say, Ani Hashem lo'ishan it's still the same achdus. So you have to understand how that works, what the world is. But what that means for a person is that you can go through every single change in the world. And you do. You do. Worlds get created. Worlds get destroyed. So now you're a changed person. The nechud of ani Hashem is, no, that if you go back to that space, you go through the whole process and you're present, but... Your 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 core oneness is never ever ever altered or compromised. That's the core of all healing, how I see it. I'm saying this to you because almost every mimer he says it, and people think he's talking philosophy. It's not philosophy. It's transformational. Because he's not giving information about God. He's giving information about you. The point is, it's one you understand now I know to say this and to feel this is two different worlds I know that, <laughs> but it starts with awareness it starts with awareness the hast. but that's the whole avoid when you learn it's like you're in the you're, you're in an incubator, but the main thing is when you uh, You know, there was a map. When the Altarebbe was alive in the 1700s, they started to make maps of the world. They brought him a map of America. The 1700s. They brought Altarebbe a map of America. So, uh, he looked at it, and he said there's a mistake. And he pointed to one part in the map, in the United States, it wasn't called the United States yet, but, maybe it was, but, uh, he said there's a mistake. He showed that this is off. So they asked the well, you were well, he was never in America. He lived in a little shtetl in Belarus. He said there's a mistake. They should go find out. So they researched Moustak They asked the Al how did you know? So he said that in the bays of Bereshis, there's a picture of the planet. And he saw that it doesn't fit with the bays. So he understood that it's, that it's off. That's it. So there was once a Fabrengan by the Lubavitcher Rebbe in 770, 1980, and one of the Gabbai was making an announcement. He told the story. He told the story in front of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. So the Rebbe said these words. This was in America, in 1980. So the Rebbe says the ikir is as Mekumt in America is machin the toes. The main thing is when you come to America, don't repeat this error. <laughs> What's the pshat? The pshat is, you have America the way it's in B'neish butter. <laughs> and then you actually land. <laughs> you have to be able to make a link between the two. Lebet what did you want to say? When you say Hashem didn't change. In other words, all of creation didn't compromise the reality. So that, that defines who I am. <laughs> that if you trace yourself back to your core... Right, you are part of that infinity. It's, it describes you today, not pre-creation. When he says, "Even though there was creation, it's like there was no creation." It's still oneness. Who, who you? It doesn't describe him. describes it Describes me. It's a very deep idea. It's not so simple. But it's the Yisoid Haxidus. It's one of the foundations of, of Teresa Balatanya. You're not skipping. You're not skipping anything. You're elevating. You're not skipping. There was a tzimtzum. There's an awareness of self. There's all my issues that I got to deal with. No question. That's one side of it. But what's the ultimate healing for all my issues? <laughs> Trace it all back to the core of oneness where you're ain't safe. Let's put it this way. If when I was two years old, or three years old, I can experience myself as pure infinity, God's light in this world. I could see it, I can feel it. Right? And God says, now, you and I together are going to go through a painful experience. We're going to go into a very dark place with His darkness, and we're going to feel it. But how are we going to feel it? As infinity. How do you think you would experience what happened to you by that person who perpetrated and violated your innocence? How? It would be the same, it would would be the pain and the horror and the darkness. But when it's finished, what do you say? I'm infinite. (laughs) So instead of coming out of the experience and saying, What? I'm the worst creature who ever lived. I'm a sick person. I am to blame for what just happened. I'm unworthy of existence. I have no value. I'm a shmata and a doormat and a rag. Yeah. My father or mother don't think I deserve to exist, meaning I don't deserve to exist because they know. Right? Or my whole existence could only be worthwhile if I become an object of violation, that's where my existence becomes, that's how I'll be loved. Or, I could never, ever, ever show up again in the world because that eye is too embarrassing, it's too shameful, let me bury it, and I'll just become a fake person. Or, this pain is too much to bear, so let me disassociate from my body and disconnect, so now you could do whatever you want to my body, I won't feel anything because my soul leaves my body it's called disassociation, I don't have emotions anymore, because if I have emotions, I would die you put a, a, a sword, a dagger into my chest, i die but if my chest is just dead, it's fine, stab, stab, stab that's what kids do they disassociate emotionally and now it's just a shell, do whatever you want to me, I'm good all of this is what? All of this is a little frightened child trying to survive. Which we understand exists. What does diri b'tachtayinam mean? Diri means go back and say you were ain't safe. You are ain't safe. You don't have to be afraid of your emotions. They should be afraid of their emotions. Huh? Yeah, of course blame them it's much deeper than blame. It's, it's not just blame them, it's realizing that, 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 that it has nothing to do, that, that you're, you're a piece of light. You have sick people, sick people, who maybe were abused themselves, or not abused themselves, but they're certainly sick. They certainly don't know about their own light, right? They live in the deepest darkness, and in their, their, their horrific darkness, this is how they survived. Nebuch. <laughs> Huh? Ooh! If a person, when a person goes through this process, it's transformational, because, huh? It's extremely painful. It's very painful because the way out of pain is through pain. I have to work through this. Huh? Who's doing it? Who's doing it is the per the 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 the, the, the person. Who in his own heart and mind is completely alienated from their own soul and sickened and and detached. (laughs) After you go through this process in a very deep way, you could reach a place and say, like Yosef, I wasn't sold, I was sent. In other words, but you have to be very sensitive with this. I'm just saying because it's, it's gonna, it's intense. That my soul, knowing how powerful it is, was ready to go into this place to be able to survive the darkness and transform the darkness. But you can't start your healing with that because it's too, it's too romantic. If you start your healing with this, you're just lying. Huh? It's just you don't want to deal with the pain. So yeah, it was, uh, Gamzula Gamzula are beautiful words. <laughs> if it's coming not from a place of repression and denial and lying to yourself you understand gamzula is a deep deep avoider. it's not yeah uh, gamzula tova i don't want to get angry gamzula i'm afraid i'm afraid that's part of the abuse gamzula can be part of the abuse you understand i kill you and now 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 say 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 it's good say it's good say it's good well, Huh? You're, perpetuating, you're perpetuating the truth in your mind that you don't exist, that you don't have a right to exist. And when somebody kills, the li- when somebody destroys you, it's a wonderful thing. It's beautiful. Couldn't have been better. You know, it's like the old joke, they say there was a, a fellow walking, he got lost on a hike and he was so stuck somewhere in some hick town on a dirt road. And he doesn't know what to do. He's no. before the iPhone, before the before the before the mobile phones. He's stuck, and then suddenly he sees a pickup truck. A farmer is driving a pickup truck, and there's a bunch of animals there. There's, there's cows and sheep and goat and chickens and roosters and birds. So he says, "Can I get a lift? Are you going to town?" He says, "Yeah." Can I get a lift with you? He says, "Yeah." Jump in. So he goes in and he's thankful he's going to get a lift to town and he'll be able to find his way home. Anyway, unfortunately the truck goes over a ditch and falls into a ditch and then falls down a cliff and rolls over and it's a terrible accident. And this poor guy gets thrown out of the pickup truck and he falls into a cistern or a ditch somewhere and he's wounded and bleeding and maimed and feeling pain everywhere. Anyway, here's the farmer come out of the truck and starts looking at the animals. He says, This sheep, it's worthless, it's wounded. Shoot, he shoots the sheep. Looks at the goat, the goat is bleeding, it's worthless. He shoots, he shoots the cows, he looks at the chickens, they're all wounded and destroyed. He shoots them all. He says, You guys are worthless, you're sick, you're wounded. And then he's looking around and he sees. He sees the passenger, right? Who's in the? He says, hey, how you doing? He says, I have never been better. I've never been better, you know? Right? Doesn't want to be shot. So he was smart, yeah? So I'm being beaten, and I've never been better. (laughs) It could come from a very beautiful place, or it could come, I just don't want to be shot. It's a survival instinct. The survival instinct, you have to say it's good also. But it's not coming from a place of internal peace. And therefore, it's gonna bite me. I'm gonna resent it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna become more detached. I'm not gonna trust what I say either. So the process of transformation is a very, very deep process. Where a person can ultimately reach a place and say, my soul chose to go down this dark corridor. Because there were sparks that I had to elevate there like we learned in the last mime about the Nitzitzes, there was something I had to learn. There was some redemption I had to bring to the world. Maybe my role in this world is to be able to be an empathetic witness for others. How could you be an empathetic witness if you haven't experienced it? I can't. Maybe. I don't know. But the point is, when a person could really go back to their own ain't Saif, like Yosef HaTzadik told his brothers, you didn't sell me. Hashem sent me. Well, he knew that they sold him, but they didn't sell me. Who sold him? Who sold him? Queen Elizabeth sold him. Who sold him? His brothers sold him. What do you mean you didn't sell me? He was reframing it. I wasn't a victim of your abuse. I was a shliach of Hashem. Of course he acknowledged the pain. It's a painful place. Not every schlichus is, is, is rosy and dandy. It was a painful place. He was thrown into one pit. He was separated from his father for 22 years. He lived in an assimilated country. He was accused of horrible things. He was put into prison for 12 years. That's not fun. You might get it. You're right. So the answer to that is we all have a dream. And when you see that that dream begins to be completed, you know that this is your mission. But part of abuse is that we're not allowed to remember our dreams. There's no such a thing, a soul that doesn't have a dream. Every soul has a dream. Bala Souls dream. Think when you were two years old, three years old, you didn't dream. Everybody dreams. When you were four, four, huh? You're right. So as life develops... We start seeing dreams, and we do this work. We start seeing dreams coming true, dreams unfolding. And then you know you're achieving this place. You know that you're on this mission. It is another challenge. Yosef had 17 years to dream. The kid who was abused at a very young age, his dreams were interrupted. You stop dreaming. There's people who don't have a memory of their childhood. They have no memory of their childhood because their dreams were interrupted. Kids dream, you know they dream this kid dreams that he's going to be a policeman and this kid dreams he's going to be the President of the United States of America, and this kid dreams that he's going to go to the moon and go to you know kids dream they dream it's a very beautiful, innocent world, but part of abuse is they interrupt your dreams right there's no dreaming anymore now you're just surviving you're surviving, huh. It could be a it could be a million and one things that that cause our hearts to shatter at the age already of four and five and we stop dreaming. Not everybody the kids dream, they dream. They once asked that they once somebody once told the of Rav, or of Kahnman, he had big visions after the war. He said, You're dreaming. He says, Yeah, but I don't dream while I asleep I sleep, I dream while I'm awake. <laughs> Most people dream when they're asleep. He says, "I dream when I'm awake." <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's part of it's part of it's part of a, a human experience. When we're young, we dream. The Gemara says in Meseches Shabbos, "Davkuf Yotes, Al Tigui BeMeshichay Elut Hinoikas Shalbeis Raban." When the Novi says, we say it every morning in Haidu, right? "Al Tigui BeMeshichayu V'Neviy Al Tareyu." Don't touch my Mashiachs. Don't touch my anointed ones. And don't harm my prophets. Who are these anointed ones? Don't touch my Mashiach. So the Gemara says, in These are the children. The prophet calls the children Mashiach, my Mashiachs, my little anointed ones. Mashiach from the word anointed, right? Mashiach means the anointed, the anointed king. So what does this mean? On one level it means, don't touch children. Don't harm them physically, don't harm them emotionally, don't harm them spiritually. But there's something deeper that it's saying. What is it? Every child growing up, this I heard from Rabbi Adin, every child growing up has a dream. And if it's a Jewish child, the dream is usually one of two things. Either I'm going to be Mashiach, or I'm going to bring Mashiach. One of those two dreams, in one way or another, you'll find the cure for cancer. You'll find the cure for Alzheimer's, for dementia, for depression. Either I'm going to be Mashiach or I'll bring Mashiach. That's the dream. As I grow up, you stop dreaming. The world is a cynical place. You're trying to survive and pay your bills or make a couple of dollars. You're not Mashiach, you're not bringing Mashiach. You don't have the Lubavitch bug, you know? (laughs) You're not Mashiach. You're not bringing Mashiach. We want Mashiach now. I'm just trying to survive. (laughs) Be a good Jew. So he says, Whatever happens in life, don't allow that inner, inner Mashiach in you to get crushed, to get stifled. Don't lose your idealism. Don't lose your capacity to dream. Don't lose your ability to be able to see not what the world is, but what it can be. When a child looks at the world from a very innocent place, you know, you imagine what it can be. Even things that are only in dreams, they're not realistic. But you see a rosy world where the regular limitations don't exist. Because you're a child. Maybe it comes from immaturity, but it really comes from innocence. But then, often, that part in me dies. And I just become about survival. I'm trying to keep my head above water. There's pain, there's anxiety, there's financial stress, there's familial stress, there's raising kids, there's dealing with illness, there's dealing with loss, there's dealing with grief, there's dealing with inner tension and anxiety. You know the works. Who has time to think of this? It says, never ever touch or harm or repress the child inside of you or in anybody else. That that nitzutz of Mashiach, always, always protect it. Always protect it inside of you. So part of this process is always be able to come back to that dream. And when you come back to that dream, which always exists, it hasn't been changed, that's when you could say like Yosef, you start seeing that I wasn't sold, I was sent. What I'm saying resonates with you or not really? Yes. <laughs> I hear you. But it resonates, yeah? It's too poetic? Huh? Right, so so what we have to do is... So what we have to do is, as we go through the experience again, and we're about to be sucked in again into the quicksand, we have to come to it with consciousness, before Hanukkah, before Purim, before Pesach, before Shabbos, before Parshas ve'edah. I have to say, I'm going to go into the same place, but I'm going to do it differently this time. I'm not going to get lost. I'm not going to let others define me. You know, you know what, maybe I'm going to have to leave early. You go in from a place of confidence and control. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. There's a therapist who told me once that there's a couple, and whenever they go to his in-laws, it's explosive. It's explosive. Because every five minutes his, his father-in-law has a comment. And then his mother-in-law has a comment. You know, you don't know how to raise your kids. And why do not you doing this? And you yeah. So he told his wife, I'm not going to their house anymore. And especially for Pesach, it's a Gehenem. Every five minutes there's a criticism and a comment. We're staying home. But she wants to go to her parents. You know, it's her father parents and her siblings. She wants to be there. So they came to a therapist. What should you do? So, therapist said, "This is what I suggest." It was a brilliant piece of advice. He said, "Make up, before Yom Tov, type up or write up a checklist of everything your father-in-law is going to say during the Seder. From so many years of experience, you know every comment, everything he's going to say, chalamayit, everything your mother-in-law is going to say, but everything, everything, just like a list. Let's say, two hundred and thirty comments, okay? And when he says it, yeah, you look at each other." check, check obviously on Yom Tov you can't physically check but make a mental check and then Chalamoyed or after Yom Tov you'll physically check off you'll see how many you got right he told me it was a lifesaver because instead of it becoming an abusive situation it became almost like a game (laughs) literally like a game first of all they had to guess before what the Shver and the Shvig are going to say, So that itself is exciting right? And then every time he said it, instead of it being this crazy guy, can't let me live, they looked at each other, they laughed, they laughed, next, waiting for the next checklist. Now, what happened? Nothing changed, but everything changed. You know what changed, right? Initially, they were coming in as victims. Nebuch cases. Waiting for him to say something, you know, <laughs> another stech, another stech, another stech, until they lose it. Now they almost came in as researchers, as as scientists, as as spectators, almost as therapists. Like, let's watch this guy, huh? As, huh? Observers. It wasn't personal anymore. It wasn't. You said to me, "He is who he is." Whatever. Hopefully, one day he'll also be able to heal. Huh? <laughs> one day they'll be able to give him the list and the. Uh... <laughs> right. But you understand, they became they came in as powerful people. It didn't make it comfortable, but it almost became like it was like a it was like a game. It was pathetic. It's like a, it's like a bad joke. It's like a bad joke, but it's a joke. You know, if somebody makes a bad joke. It's not abuse. It's a bad joke. Okay, you know, but it's almost like funny. Now, but you can't do that. You have to be ready for this. If somebody is getting angry and enraged, you have to understand that that's what's happening. You know, this was already a state where. They had independence, but this was triggering them. It was almost like 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 let your father-in-law be your father-in-law. You don't have to live for him, and you can't fix him at the moment. But you know what? Don't be schlepped in by him. So we have to go into all the yomim Toivim and all the shabbosim, especially those that trigger us, with a place from a place of 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 ani hashem loishanisi, ani hashem loishanisi. You need support. Everybody needs support. Uh, we're not isolated creatures. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what does Bitlayash mean? Bitlayash bit is the most healing idea. Uh, yeah, Bitlayesh means that my ego is not fragile. <laughs> Bitlayesh means that I'm not such a fragile person. That if you say a comment to me, I'm destroyed. If there's a yesh there, so now you give it a punch and the yesh is damaged. Bitul means that I'm part of infinity, so I can be present. I can be present, and even when I'm triggered, that the very trigger I can be aware of, but it doesn't have to uh, lure me in and pull me in to its grip. I could be there fully. I can watch it. I can experience it. The the Gemara says in Yuma, what's Tshuva? Tshuva Gemara is which means I'm back in the same situation like I was then and I do it differently. The Rambam explains in Ilchus Tshuva, you know, when I was 20 and 30, I was doing things that were not nice. And then when I'm 99 years old, Right in a nursing home, I say, you know what? I'm going to do tshuva. It's nice. It's good tshuva, but it's not the it's not the ultimate tshuva. The ultimate tshuva is I can go back to the same place and the same time and the same woman, and I do it differently. This means you really change. So what does that really mean? It means tshuva is healing. The Gemara says tshuva meviyurufu Tshuva is healing. When it's when you hear with the word tshuva, you should always know tshuva equals healing. That's what you should hear in the word tshuva. I'm saying this because. Many people, when they hear the word chuva, it's a terrible trigger. You have to do chuva. You're a balaveda. You're going to burn. You have to do chuva. Chuva merely means you can all, we can all heal. Yeah. When you hear elul, already people now are already scared of elul, right? Elul, Rosh Hashanah, says to me Elul means is a month dedicated to healing. It's like I'm taking you for a month to a spa in Florida. You're going to eat beautiful foods. You're going to walk by the water for 12 hours. You're going to meditate and you're going to heal, right? It's nice. It doesn't make people... Huh? It sounds terrible? <laughs> Walking by the water is so terrible? Oh, I okay. see. So you have to understand, Elul is a time for healing. It's he- It's all healing. Yet, yeah, it could be the environment I'm in, it's very, very negative, but it's really about healing opportunities. Slichus too. Slichus is a vulnerable conversation. So, why am I saying this? I forgot. Oh, so the Rambam says, the Rambam says, what does real what does real healing mean? But Man, but Isha. That I can go into the same territory where there were so many triggers, and instead of falling, I come from the place of Ani Hashem Loishanisi and then I could be fully present, but without being lured into the to the trap to the prison. And that, that's what healing is. Now, this is all much easier said than done because in the heat of the moment, you know, all these lectures become meaningless and worthless because the... ah, huh? Yeah, the word is not so... Du- the nervous system has to believe it. In other words, the fact that you believe me in your brain doesn't help because the body experiences it. The body knows everything, so the nervous system goes crazy. But this is this is where we have to work with ourselves. Sometimes people need support, sometimes people need different models of healing. But the common denominator in all of them is to be able to go back to that space inside of us that is whole, that is infinite, that is divine and is indestructible. And where all the processes, even creation itself, didn't take away the ain't safe of it. So there's difference between pregnancy and summation. So we have pregnancy and we have birth. So the way, he, the way he describes it here, in pregnancy, I may go through all the experiences of Yiddishkeit. I eat the food, but it goes through the navel, it goes through the belly button, through the umbilical cord. My soul gets food, but there's a certain apathy, there's a certain coldness, there's there's a lack of, of, of seeing, of hearing, of experiencing. that That's shut down. Because I'm still in a state of pregnancy. And that's why Golas is compared to pregnancy and Geul is compared to birth. Yorub <muchaym> so Yosef. teves ah? Huh? Oh, good question, good question. Good, good question. So he's asking a good question. The Gemara says in Meseches Erev in Yud Gimel that for two and a half years Beishameh and Beisilal had an argument. What do Jews argue about two and a half years? Right? If noyach loy la adam shenivra or shaloy nivra, if it was better that you were created or not created, you know Jews can argue about this. yeah? Two and a half years. Beshamai said better not. Baisila said better yes. Nimnu v'gamru. Beshamai is right. Noyach loy la adam shaloy nivra yoisem shenivra. So the Alter asks and look at the Torah parshas. Hey, I don't understand. It says in parshas Bereishis, vayare l'kim is kolasher asa so now, Beshami and Besisil are smarter than God. Hashem says it's good. No. So says I'mayr He says it doesn't say in the Gemara. Most people quote this Gemara wrongly. It doesn't say toiv It says noyach adam Noyach doesn't mean good. Noyach means comfortable. Obviously, it's good that you were created. Hashem says it's good. The question is if it's noyach. <laughs> If it's comfortable. This is a machloikas. But he said, it's noyach, it's geschmacker." But he said, shaloy Much easier without. But toiv, of course it's good. Good doesn't always mean comfortable. Ask your personal trainer. If I'm comfortable, it may not be good. Comfort zones are not good. They're comfortable, they're not good. Taking out, going out of a comfort zone, it's not comfortable, but it's good. <laughs> you know, stretching the muscle, lifting a heavy weight, it's not comfortable. <laughs> it tears the tissue, but it's good. Toiv and Noyach are two separate things. You have to ask yourself is it comfortable? Maybe not. Is it good? It's very good. It's Toiv moit. Nivra, it's like Also, there's no leather. They don't <laughs> Nivra, yeah. Nivra. There's, even a, there's a deeper word in another mimer. It's not for now, but he says, No nivra, nivra is. doesn't mean it would have been more comfortable if you weren't created. Every person has a state of loy nivra. Because the neshama doesn't begin with oilam habriya. The neshama begins in pure divine light called atzilas. Later, atabarasa. So every person exists on two levels. There's a level where you're nivra, and there's a state where you're loy nivra. You're pre-briya. the Hashem loy is you're part of ain't Saif. He says, noach loy la adam shaloy nivra. If you would have remained in the state of loy nivra, yoy Over there, it's much more comfortable, because it's pre-pain, it's pre-trauma. You hear the word? Loy nivra, it's the is, is describing a person. You were you were in a place of loy nivra, and that's much more nayach than loy That's so. When you say ani hashem loy it means that loy nivra still exists. You're still in a state of loy nivra. In your core, you're in a state of loy nivra pre briya. I does a whole I That's the chiddush. That the bria is a bria that's separate only from the perspective of concealment. But if you go to a place of re- pre concealment, everything still is, is in pure infinite oneness, including every tree and every squirrel and every person and every table, etc. As many my marim explain, avada in nivra. There's no trauma. Trauma can only be in nivra. Over there, the separateness. Trauma is isolation. Trauma is detachment. Trauma is I'm alone in the world. In loy nivra, there's no trauma. The trauma is also it's not trauma. It's it's a different It's a shlichus. It's not trauma. And the olim is typhus, the Indian? ah? This is before the womb. Of course, but when you say before, it doesn't mean in time. It's always. It's beyond time. You understand? Truth is that what makes trauma so traumatic is that it's beyond time and space. If you, if, if you hurt me and there's time, and like I spoke last time, there's time and space, it's much more bearable. When there's no time and space, so, 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 so if you really want to go deep, and again, it's very sensitive, trauma forces us to go to the place of loy nivra, of ayin, because that's where you can recreate yourself. So the real reason why trauma has no time and space, the negative reason is because it's so impactful. al the reason it has no time and space is because that allows you to go to a place that's beyond time and space. It allows you to go to Ayin, Ani Hashem loyishanisi, and over there there's no time and space. In other words, if you channel it, if you harness it, if you allow, if you allow yourself to become healed, it brings you to a place that's pre-time and space. So what's not, what, what didn't have time and space in the world of darkness is really the is because in Atmos, in Hashem's essence, there's no time and space. Yeah, but that's, uh, that's, that's heavy. That's heavy. I know it almost, somebody told me after one of the shiurim, from your shiurim it sounds like that it's so good to be traumatized and and if you weren't traumatized, like you're nebuch a loser, like, like you're functioning, you have a self, it's like, oiva, so oiva, They just want to say that. It's uh, you know, the Gemara says, You don't say, I'm going to sin and then do But don't say, I'm going to get sick so I could develop antibodies, right? You don't do that. A person, obviously. But when a person has has gone through things, then you have to appreciate. You don't sell your brother into slavery so that he should be able to, uh, to, to save you. That's not how it works. You take care of your brother. But when Yosef, when it did happen to him, he understood that. Okay, I'm gonna wish everybody a wonderful day. Be'ezir Hashem, Sunday morning, there's gonna be a Shir. Next week, we're gonna learn the mimer of Basi Lagani, like we do before your Shvat. Mimer Basi Lagani Kala, very special mimer. So there's gonna be, so the next, we're gonna have Shabbos a Shir. Maybe we'll continue this mimer, but, uh, Sunday morning, there'll be a Shir. Be'ezir Hashem, 8, 8.30, over here. And uh, we'll send out the details on the WhatsApp. Yeah, in addition to the Monday, Monday. Monday also and Tuesday also. Next week is uh, full schedule. Yeah. A few years ago, a few years ago, when I was a bacher, my, father used to, my parents used to get the New York Times every day. So I remember I once looked at the New York Times and I saw that they published the first maps of America. And I saw that the date was the middle of the 1700s. So they printed maps. And I, I no, Columbus came in 1492. But these are maps in the 1700s. And I saw in the New York Times they showed that by California there was a bad, bad mistake. <laughs> I'm not saying that this was the map they showed out the today, but I remember I saw and I was amazed. Mid 1700s, like in the 1770s, around maybe 80s or maybe 90, in the late 1700s, mm-hmm. they showed like three or four maps, and they showed a mistake, a very big mistake near California. Whose map was it? it was a map that was drawn in the 1700s from the United States of America. Oh, I don't know if it was a government map. I just remember seeing the story, and then when I saw the mistake, I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> that, saw that. I saw they published in the New York Times maps from the 1700s years ago, like 25 years ago. I remember it was by California. They pointed out, they showed they showed the mistake. The person made a mistake. They didn't have now they didn't have then the technology we have today. The the class today is dedicated by Reb A B Sher. Thank you very, very much. Shikai Abi. Mikhail Rib A. B, yeah. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net.